Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help the entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversation with industry experts and the entrepreneurs who have successfully scaled their own businesses. Statistics show that only 5% of all startups ever achieve annual revenue of a million dollars, and less than 1% reach 10 million. Our mission is to help more than double the number of companies that reach each of those thresholds. In this episode, I have a conversation with Teresa Marzal, founder and CEO of a company called Culture Engineered, an employee feedback and tools and services company. She helps small and mid-sized businesses improve their performance by creating thoughtful, unique employee experiences. Teresa is committed to modernizing the human resource function. Teresa and I go deep in discussing the critical importance of culture for a growing business. I'm not going to lie, early in my career, I used to feel that culture was not that important. In the last decade, I believe it has become truly the backbone of, of organizations. Teresa shares a lot of her observations and recommendations on how to build the culture into the DNA of your company, no matter what size you have. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hello, Teresa. How are you? Welcome to the, uh, the Hardwired for Growth podcast. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I've been really looking forward to this episode, and we'll get into the, some of the details in just a couple minutes, but you're joining us all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Are you still in Phoenix? Yes, still in Phoenix. It is a nice, beautiful day. All right. Well, in order to get started at a cocktail party, how do you describe to people what you do? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, Culture Engineered, we essentially help small and mid-sized companies manage their employee feedback in a way that helps them advance their business. So really lending the strategic people support at a much lower cost point. So corporate environments obviously have some strategists, people strategists available to them 24-7, whereas small mid-sized businesses, it doesn't make sense. You still need that, but much more on an on-demand basis. So this allows them that and uh, gives them analytics, insight, and the support they need to really make sure they're creating an employee experience that uh, leads to you know, better business results. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I definitely agree with the, the on-demand. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the, the world we live in today is as you're growing your business, you have partners and resources you can leverage, but no, don't necessarily have to employ somebody full-time to do that. And so, Right. Go ahead. No, I think that's that's totally right. So it's a, you know, it's it, right now there's a lot of analytics out there. I think helping, there's beautiful platforms. There's a lot of sophisticated tools. The trouble with that is there's not really anyone that can help guide a company in managing that data. So, you know, whereas I, I mean, do not have marketing understanding or knowledge, you know, it's very minimal. I can look at Google Analytics all day, but it doesn't, doesn't help me do anything anything to help my website or ads or anything like that. But, you know, if I bring in a marketing expert, that data speaks a lot differently to them. And, and uh, essentially, that's the expertise we help lend to companies without that strategic support. 
Got it. No, and I think one of the, the, the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is a lot of the audience are entrepreneurs or business owners that are looking to to scale their business. And some of the traditional shows will look at hacks and how do I hack my way to growth. And, you know, to, in order to achieve, I think, a scalable business, you really have to start looking at the overall infrastructure. It's not, you know, the people you got to have, obviously the sales, the marketing, all those things. But I think one of the undervalued areas for, for a business that's looking to grow is, is culture. And I think you talked a little bit in, in the intro, but I really wanted to have you on to talk about, you know, not only the value, but maybe help us define culture, help the business owners better understand the value of it and, you know, maybe the risks if, if you don't approach it the right way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's, it's defining the undefinable a little bit. I think of it as a person, you know, you can use certain words to define a person. They're kind, they're funny, they're, you know, you can talk about how they look, how they act, how they talk, all of it, but it's really how all of it comes together makes that personality. And I think the same can be said for business. So we can talk about a company and, you know, their mission and what they value and how they interact and what they believe in and their structure and all these, these things that individuals have definitions on their own, but how all that comes together is really what creates that unique culture to them. And it should be a very intentional experience. I think it's crazy to me, some of the companies that, you know, focus so much on the consumer experience and uh, how that should be, um, you know, they really plot it out very well, but then aren't real, their employee experience is very habitual, you know, oh, we have onboarding, we, this is our recruiting, we offer these benefits and this pay, just kind of this um, standard approach to the experience that ultimately determines your consumer experience. So this really looks to figure out what's, you know, what you're looking to achieve as a business and then work backwards from that or reverse engineer the experience that would lead to a business that can achieve those goals. So I think uh, it is definitely somewhere in that convoluted definition of culture. Um, I think you also need to incorporate, you know, a, a culture that or a culture or a successful culture is one that makes good on its commitments to all all interested parties. And I, I think the the point you're making, I had a, a previous guest on also was talking about if you're a one person company or two person company that's that's looking to expand. Most of the time, that CEO or the the founder was a visionary, and then as you start to bring on the complementary pieces. You almost have to have a, a shared values versus, which I think, at least in my opinion, seems like that feeds into the, the culture. And then just circling back on your point about the employee experience, you know, I've been consuming a lot of podcasts as I was, you know, gearing up for the, the launch of this podcast. And it was interesting the number of successful companies that define success, you know, they've Across that $10 million mark. So in the sense of scale, and many of them are much bigger than that. Most of them led with the employees, right? Employee engagement first. If I take care and provide that good experience to your employee, then they're going to end up having that shared sense of the customer. Does, have you seen that evolution over the last, I don't know, is it two, five years? Where yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think it's becoming more prominent, especially in the startup community. So uh, uh, last year there was a 
uh, venture capitalist here locally that does a lot of investing in Southwest startups talked about his, the priority that they place on uh, culture. And it was, it was interesting and, to be fair, refreshing to hear. One, because that's my space and, of course, I believe in it anyway. But two, I think he, he said, you know, I don't, you know, first we look at the financials and then the next thing is I want to I wanna visit because I need to feel how it feels there. I need to feel the energy and make sure it's there. If it's not there, we don't invest. And I think that, you know, and even they'll look to measure it in different ways. It doesn't just go beyond this feel, but that definitely, you know, just like you get a feel from someone who explained their, can explain their financials, you get a feel from walking through the door and feeling the energy in the room. So I think that, you know, it makes sense that that's a big part of it because at the end of the day, if you're valuing the intellectual property and uh, everything that makes a startup valuable, their go-to-market strategy, their everything, the people that are involved with that vision as well as executing on that vision are, are critical to its success. You can have great whiteboard idea, but if you don't have the right people in place or the people in the right mindset, it's not going to go very far but that whiteboard. Yeah, no, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't know if you watch the show, The Profit, but uh, Marcus Lamone invests in various companies, small struggling companies. First thing he does is meet with the owner, but then the next step is to meet with the uh, the employees, you know, be alone just to get a sense of, you know, what what is the, the culture, what is the atmosphere of each of those businesses. And if it's not good, he tends to tends to walk away as well. So Right. Um, people, people process profit, right? Yeah, I think exactly. those are his, those are his priorities when he goes in. Yeah. I love that. It's, it seems the, so true. The three P's. So <laughs> understanding that, and you know, like I said, a lot of the, the folks probably listening to this show are just in the process of starting to hire folks. I think the one takeaway I took away a little bit earlier was, you know, hire, don't necessarily hire to your strengths. If you're really good at one thing, find, you know, how to build in other areas if that makes sense. So if your core to the business is delivery, for example, then maybe you look for help with sales and marketing or maybe somewhere where you're weaker. So is if the audience is starting to look for partners, because I think partners would fit into the same as an employee uh, getting the right fit, right? The right person in those roles. So what are a couple things that, you know, business owners should be thinking about or considering as they're starting to expand their partner network and or employee yeah, I think, you know, leading with values first, you said it earlier, and and I think we say that a lot. And unfortunately, I don't see that a lot. So I'll go into businesses. And a lot of times I want to hear or see any business goals that they have. So what are the revenue goals? You know, what margins are they looking to hit? I definitely want to know about the harder metrics. And then I want to see the values. And um, if the values are just some, you know... Either there's very generic or very bland or very corporate type values that they shouldn't you know, they should be feeling words and that, you know, not to make it a touchy feely, but these are the words that essentially every employee should be able to feel from where they need to make decisions uh, when they're interacting with consumers and users and members, whatever, whatever you call the folks that you serve. These are the feeling words they need to have. So if it's some, you know, 
honesty. Well, you know, that that's a nice word, but what does that mean? I think, you know, we tend to focus and some companies get really reluctant to do like a values process. And especially when you're starting out, it is very fair to know you're going to change those often. You're not changing the essence of them, but you're probably getting more granular in the description of what it is you're looking for. And it should be just a handful, like, you know, maybe a mission statement or something. Again, this is not like the corporate version of a mission statement, but really what you're setting out to achieve, the priority of your overall existence. And then the three or four things that you're looking to, you know, three or four more specific phrases, words, statements in which you're looking to, you know, how you're looking to achieve that overall mission. So I think you should always lead with those, whether it's a partner, a vendor, an independent contractor, investors, these really, if these are true and honest statements, this needs to be the priority. And I think this is where it's tough in the beginning. It's kind of like when you're first starting out to turn away money, that's not your ideal, <laughs> your ideal right. customer. You're, it's hard to do. It's hard. But, and I, you know, to be fair on my side, we did that last year. It was a lot of getting into spaces we didn't want to get into. And it's scary how quickly it can happen. And so, I think the good part about starting out, if you start out right, is you're testing those core values or statements, your mission, you're testing that early. So if it doesn't make sense anymore, maybe you realized a greater mission or something that's, it, you know, it's best to be honest and true. Everything you should be doing should flow up to that. But, you know, I think that should be the end all catch all that you go back to at the end of the day. Does it make sense? Does it fit, you know, what you've described as, as it goes with your mission and values. And there's some great large companies that have even managed to do this. You know, I have a friend that works at Charles Schwab and um, she's telling me about an argument they, or I shouldn't say an argument, but a, a you know, kind of a debate she was in with a coworker uh, in a meeting. And then she, she just ended it this very, you know, emotional conversation that they were having professional, but emotional because it was very passionate and said, you know, but we decided, you know, this is what was best to do because of through the eyes of the customer. I said, what are you talking about? And she explained that that's how they make all of their decisions is, well, which, what does it, which way looks best and is best through the eyes of the customer? How would they see it? And that's how they make every decision. And that's Charles Schwab. That's a big (laughs) company. So (laughs) if they can do it with that many people, but, and then to see the reassurance that it gives that team, this is the right decision because it meets this sniff test, you know, this, it meets this gut check feeling. We know it simplifies the very complex process of, of doing business sometimes. So I think that that's super critical. No, that's awesome. And I think, you know, walking the walk and not just talking the talk, right. It's it's easy to put those words on paper. And, you know, I, I think a lot about too, with, you know, future workforces, right. We've had probably a whole nother show. We can talk about that, but as I think the millennials, you know, usually get dragged into the conversation of purpose driven work or cultures. I'm like, heck, I want a place that's, you know, purpose driven. I think that ties right back into your 
culture conversation, right? So how are we establishing this? But more importantly, are we executing against it? And if I heard the other part, right, is everybody needs to be on board. And so maybe that's one of the, as you're looking to partner or hire, is make sure there's a shared a shared vision. I heard, no, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I should have wrote down on a podcast talking about, you could have the four smartest people, you know, in different roles from the, the visionary to the execution to the HR. But if they don't have that shared vision, the chances of success are diminished. I think it was by like 40%. So even though you have all the smart people, you still, it's going to be tougher to make a business scale if you don't get everybody kind of rolling and rolling is hard in the same direction. I think, yeah, I think that's true. There's because a, a smart person working against another smart person in an opposite direction, I think you're going to have, you know, end up somewhere in the mediocre. And so if all the, you know, brain power and every, you know, everything that brings lends strength to a group isn't all working collaboratively. Yeah. There's really no point. And there's a great example of Zappos. They have the Tony shade, the, original founder before they sold to Amazon or were purchased by Amazon. They, uh, I'm not sure if it's the same now, but they have very, you know, pretty strong core values that they adhere to. And one of them is to be humble. And, uh, he talks, he has a book and he talks about one of the ways that they would test on that is making sure they would have a limo driver or something, you know, some driver bring someone to their interview, you know, and meet with this person. And what that person, the interviewed person didn't know is that driver was part of the interview process. So they would oh, then ask, cause these were usually, you know, they're high powered executives. Yeah. And so they would ask that person, well, how, now, how did they treat you? How did they interact? Would they talk about, you know, were they on the phone? How did they sound? And kind of use that person to really give some insight Look to under how the covers that person a is bit. when everyone isn't looking. Yeah, yeah, get a peek behind the curtain. And he talks about they really had to turn away some amazing talent because they just, you know, they didn't demonstrate this be humble, which they really thought was critical to success with the company. And I mean, you know, they made made a pretty good, a pretty yeah. good uh, deal with Amazon later on. So arguably could be thought to have worked to their benefit. But I thought that that was a really great display of, of walking the walk uh, or walking the talk, I guess, and uh, really committing to those values. Yeah. And so for our, our listeners, they may not be able to hire the limo driver to, <laughs> to test future uh, employees. But I did read another story just yesterday, I think, uh, and I can't remember the name of the company. I've got to start doing a better job of that. But uh, the CEO <laughs> takes them out to breakfast at a restaurant and intentionally has prearranges the restaurant to screw up their order. And he, in this case, was oh. how the candidates react in, you know, a less than, than optimal experience. So, so there's other ways I think you can kind of stress oh. to see if the, the person's core values align with, with, you know, the vision you have for the, for the company. Yeah. That's really good insight. Yeah. And I think actually testing it, I think what, you know, to your point, really testing it. So there's creative ways, maybe, you know, in the, in the beginning, it's hard to do, you know, stage these environments. And ideally once you're 
larger, then people kind of know what you're looking for. And then there's different risks, right? Then they know, you know, how to tell you what you want to hear and things. But when you're smaller, I think the great thing, and there's some, you know, examples of hypothetical questions or Google will always throw out these, you know, really oddball examples of what would you do in this situation just because they want to see how you think. Or There's a local restaurant chain here in Arizona that's very cheeky. Their humor is very cheeky. It's kind of a part of their appeal. They'll ask in the interview, tell me to, they'll ask candidates to tell them a joke. And while it seems simple or, you know, I, to me, that would put me on the spot, but I'm probably not their <laughs> ideal person to come work for them. I, I, would, I would be, you know, I'm, I'm a little results driven. So I think my response would be something like, are you kidding? Let's move this. Let's yeah. keep moving. Or, you uh, know, that, but I would not do real well in their environment. So I think, I think you, even something like that. You and I would be on the same page with that. <laughs> <laughs> If, yeah. if that's what the but expectation what a, of, I wouldn't do very well there, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. But what a great, you know, I think there's no way to fake that. I mean, you could have a joke prepared, but even then it's probably not going to be very, you know, delivered very well. You're going right. to come off very scripted or something. So I think some of these, um, you know, these tactics really looking for, aside from I- identifying what you value and what you need to value in order to meet on your business commitment. Um, but then even one step back from that is how can you test that? Not hear it. You know, you don't simply ask, oh, what do you value? Right. Um, and do you think that, you know, being humble is important? No one says no to that. Well, almost no one, maybe yeah. some people. But I think then finding a way to test that or something consistent that demonstrates that. For example, healthcare is struggling, you know, like nursing, in-home nursing, caretaking. I know that that that, that is one of the highest attrition industries that's, that's around. And right now with unemployment being fairly low, it's especially right. hard to find folks. And I was helping one group and said, you know, based on, it's not a high paying job. It's not, this would be something that someone has a, a history of doing. What they were getting caught up on is they'll, they'll have a lot of people say, oh, I took care of my mom or I took care of my grandma. So I, you know, I think this would be a good job for me. Taking care of a relative right. versus taking care of someone for a paycheck is very different. So I said, I, I would think let's focus on history of service through work and jobs where they served that they were, you know, that they tended to work there longer than maybe higher paying jobs or maybe more uh, jobs with higher recognition because it's a very humbling job. So it, that really helped uh, versus before they were just hearing what I what they wanted to hear. Oh, I took care of this person so I can take care of that person. That's not really the quality that makes for a good hire. The quality that makes for a good hire is someone who likes to be behind the scenes and really um, finds value in serving others in, in pretty humble ways. Another example of that, I think, is my mom cleaned houses forever when I was a kid. She would be exactly the profile that they would be looking for because she always took took great satisfaction in serving um, others in a very humble way. So I think, um, you know, that's an, an example of one step further back. Instead of just asking the point blank question that everyone knows the answer to, look for behaviors that are consistent with that value. 
Right. And I think and on both sides, right, most people aren't going to try to fool you like with telling the joke in order to get that job when, when in fact, they'd be better suited in an environment that fits their personality or their goals or, or, or their wants as well. So right. I think that makes, makes a lot of sense. And then just kind of lastly, on this topic, if a company and basically you know, drawing back to what you've said, we should definitely define what the company's looking for as a culture, document it, right? So everybody's understands what it is, modify as needed. And if not aligned today, and if the, if you don't have the, the values and the culture really defined, you know, do that, that first. And then you may not have the right team members once you kind of agree on, oh, we don't have to agree, you're the owner, but that's if, if there's not agreement on the personality or the value of the company, is there a way to get through that with current folks? Or is that something they might just have to have a hard conversation with, with people? So I guess I'm asking, how do you backtrack or clean up a, a, a culture for whatever reason that may not be as healthy as it needs to be in order to, for the company to, to thrive. Yeah, I think it's kind of a three. So a lot, I talk about this a lot, um, especially with startups because well, just to kind of back away from the question, but I'll come around to it again, I promise. But I, okay. one of the original folks through Tuft and Needle again, before, before they were purchased the mattress, company. Um, So Tuft and Needle, he was talking about their startup environments and he had uh, last year chose to leave. And I was shocked, you know, this is a, it's known to be a really great company and it was prior to the purchase even. So, you know, it was even more shocking, you know, once the purchase happens, I think this kind of leaving of, of, of some folks and onboarding of others is understood, but this was before that. And so I asked him why I thought this was so such an interesting thing. And he still raved about the company, you know, talked about it kind of like a, a relative or, you know, something that he did just a lot of, of, of love and appreciation for them. So I asked him why he left and he said, you know, he had started early with them when they were true gritty bootstrap startup. And at the time he left, he said, it's, it's become I'm paraphrasing here, but become more sophisticated than I, than I'm good for. I, or I'm interested in, he goes, I'm more of a generalist. I love the chaos that comes with the startup. He goes, you know, you're wearing multiple hats and he goes, I know enough about enough to be really valuable in that role and help get it started. But as we grew both in revenue and headcount, he said, as we grew and became more sophisticated, I replaced each of those roles that I filled with someone much more of an expert in that area. And so he said, eventually it just came time for, they know along, you know, they're in a much different place than I, than I matched. It's shocking. You know, this guy, that took me, I don't know. I think I just understood this concept maybe three years ago that I tend to be more <laughs> of, of one way versus the other. And he, you know, understood this within, and with complete love and compassion and understanding and appreciation and, you know, realized it was his time had ended there because they no longer provided or needed from him what he was interested in. And so I think, you know, along those lines, as you grow, it's important to always be assessing as a whole, 
is this still relevant? Is this still our vision? Is this still, are these still our values? And to be honest when it changes and communicate it when it changes. So I think aside from document, it should require some context around words. If you've ever, if anyone's ever been part of a values discussion, it's a pretty lengthy process, not so much because of, you know, choosing the right words, but making sure that everyone's using the words in the same way. And so I think, you know, it's constantly assessing that and then engaging feedback as you go through that process is critical because if people are not, you know, we're using a word such as honesty in one way. And then, you know, we saw that with Google when their motto was, you know, don't be evil. And then some of the things that they did, like, you know, kind of helping to maintain censorship in the internet in China, it really blew up in their face when, and they reevaluated it. That's not a model they use today, but I think that became, you know, evil is such a relative word when you start throwing these words out and fail to really explain them and give context to them, you're going to, you're going to have some missteps. Um, and it's hard. So the feedback pieces is, is really critical to making sure you're moving in lockstep with your vision and values that they're so relevant and that they're being perceived in the way you intend them to be perceived. So I think that that's the, with feedback is the really the only way that you can make sure that you're, you're using those words appropriately. No, I think those are great points because if you don't put the context around it, it could go, you know, 30 different different directions. So it definitely makes them out. Well, Teresa, I know we're coming close to the end of our time, and I think there's a whole lot of value from this conversation today. And hopefully folks are now thinking about, even in their small business, to make this part of their core of what they do or how they think and how they, they act with, with the company. Because I, don't, I haven't seen a, a ton of data or stats on it, but I've got to believe the high growth companies are the ones that are kind of aligned around this and the employees are engaged. You know, when I grew up in 20 plus years, half of it in the enterprise world, it was, you know, employee engagement and culture was, I don't even think it was uttered at the time. It's right. Is this a good job? Can I get ahead? And I just think people think very differently about work and life. And if if a company can't provide that, they're going to be in a compromised position, I guess, if you will, when it comes to the talent, right? Yeah, I think so. I, it, you know, there's really no way if you're not talking about it and making your focus, everyone else kind of comes in with their own agenda or understanding. So like we talked about earlier, then you're working in two directions versus right. one. So I think to make sure that you're really, you know, you're hiring great folks and making sure that you're using that to its fullest potential, you need to constantly be assessing whether or not everyone's on the same page. And when they're not, own up to that, kind of like we were talking with the values, you know, assess whether or not that's still relevant. And if it isn't, be honest about why or, you know, transparent in that communication. And then, give some compassion to those, you know, similar to the guy who was leaving. They really paid a tough to needle. They really gave homage to what he contributed while he was there. And, you know, that the company would not be where it is today had it not been for him. So I think, you know, companies and individuals, we have a responsibility in that to see, you know, when, 
most things end. And so when that happens, then we should instead of looking at that as a failure or betrayal or, you know, all these kind of negative things, really take a look back at the journey and uh, see that for everything that happened during that time was important for getting you to where you are now. And that should be part of a culture is reflecting on what did we learn? What, why are we here now? Otherwise you kind of get these, especially in startup culture, these legacy groups. And I think, you know, you and I experienced that a couple of years ago, I think when we worked together, right. you get a legacy group that talks about how it used to be. And then this new group that kind of is coming in always not really interested in reminiscing. So I think in order to value both groups, you need to talk about everyone's role and the evolution of the business and a concept. Yeah, I think that's a, a great one to close on too, because more than likely with those two coming together, and I think a lot of our, you know, maybe our, our startup audience has had the opportunity to, you know, merge or acquire another company that you're going to have to go through this process to define what the new company is. And if it's the same values as the acquiree, you know, then you may not have the right folks on the other part of the team that are that are going to align with it. So I know we could probably talk about this for, for at least another half hour and we'll, we'll have to get you back on. But what I'd like to do now is move into what I call our closing time segment, where I'll okay. ask you just a few questions so our audience gets to know you a little bit better. And then uh, we'll wrap it up from there. Does that sound? Okay. Yeah, it sounds great. All right. So what do you like to do when you're not helping businesses grow? Uh, uh, let's see. We, my husband and I, we foster senior dogs. Um, so that is always, we always have a slew of dogs in our house somewhere. So I'm not there today or else you'd hear them barking. <laughs> um, so that's probably one. It's beautiful here. So when the weather's nice, we're constantly at the, um, when it's hot, we're at the lake. When it isn't, we're hiking probably. And then, gosh, I think I cook. I do a lot of cook. I go, we have a garden. I love gardening. This is new. That's a new interest really? okay. of mine. Yeah. I'm not probably your traditional gardener, but man, it is cool to have a meal that came out of your yard. I don't know. That really excites me. So I guess the gardening is necessary if I want to you know, eat out of there. So, so basically, <laughs> it's this is your work-life balances, you know, to, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I awesome. guess so. plants and people, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next question is what is one thing you would highly recommend? And it doesn't have to be business. It could be anything that something you've experienced recently that you would highly recommend to somebody. You know, I don't know if it's as much as a thing, but, uh, a, a kind of a commitment. And this is a commitment to, to learning. I think that this, you know, just being curious, you can't beat that. It's going to advance you and everything. It makes you more interesting. It keeps you sharp. There's a lot of studies on physically the benefits of it to your mind. I think um, a commitment to learning, just having a lifelong commitment to learning is uh, critical. Yeah, so, yeah. 100% agree with you on that. I think this this day and age, it's even more important with how rapidly everything's changing. <laughs> Almost to stay up on top of things, you have to you know keep yourself educated. So that's a good, that's actually one of my favorite answers so far on that. Oh, all right. And then last call, what is your drink or beverage of choice? <laughs> uh, so I love 
dark roast coffee that um, if, if, you know, if it's in the morning, it's coffee. If we're talking about beers, man, I love dark beers. So probably, you know, more porters and things of that nature. The, oh, my favorite one, why am I forgetting it? Um, but and yeah, like the microbrews, oh, I love it. And we have a lot around here. So it's always nice. Um, even the environment, they make them so fun now, you know, it's oh, outdoor places. So yeah, I would say those probably those two, you know, I have water the rest of the time, but otherwise yeah. dark beer, dark, dark, dark coffee, and then water. One to start the day, one to end the day. And yeah, yeah. yeah I'm also, one to offset. I've become more of a beer snob myself over, over time where it used to be, ah, drink the, the light beer because watch the calories. But now with, you know, the IPAs and you said the right. porters, I like, I like a good tasty beer versus, um, I'll sacrifice a few calories. That's why I get yeah. outside, right? Hike, run. <laughs> yeah. Walk, walk to your brewery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, anything else that you want to discuss before we wrap this up? No, this, this was great. I love this. So no, I think we covered a lot today. I think. Yeah, we did. And I, I definitely appreciate you and the time. And one last thing, if anyone's interested in learning more about you or your company, where can people find you? Yeah, they can find uh, Culture Engineered. You can find us online, cultureengineered.com or our LinkedIn. We're on Twitter and we're else? Facebook. And then you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think that that's probably all the ways. And you're always happy to have a conversation about culture and employee engagement. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not talking with someone else, I'm talking about it with my husband. So, uh, you know, clients and, and, uh, experts preferred. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Teresa. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. You've been listening to hardwired for growth to ensure that you never miss an episode. Subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R dot com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.